Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as a foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Happy Resurrection Weekend, and we are super blessed that you have chosen to join us here on Shouts of Grace, and we hope you are having a blessed week. Um, if you haven't um, had the opportunity to go to a maybe a Good Friday service through your church, um, and and you're wanting to still take advantage of, of this wonderful weekend, which means so much to Christians, and we encourage you to get to church this Sunday for Easter Sunday um, and see what God will do. If you're a first-time listener here, we want to say welcome um, and let you know that we have a um, a website called shoutsofgraceradio.com. And there at shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can go and listen to 149 past episodes. It's about two and a half years worth as we uh, tackle a whole host of topics and, and, and a range of, of issues um, and applying a biblical worldview to those things. And so we encourage you to take advantage of that. And if you wanted to drop us an email or a, or a little note of encouragement or even a suggestion for a show that you'd like to hear, feel free to do that as well at shoutsofgraceradio.com. And if you are a return listener, we want to say welcome back and thank you for your support. And as we always do with every show, we want to give a shout out to Key Radio for the use of their studios here in Provo, Utah. Well, this is a very significant weekend for Christians. Um, this is uh, the conclusion of Passion Week. And here, um, as we're approaching uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, there's huge significance both um, for us now, but also um, in the past and, and what this has meant. And so today, Today, what I wanted to do is um, I have a good friend of mine and, and one of the one of the pastors at Redemption Hill, Joe Funicello, in the studio today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Thank you, Steve. Good. Joe, today what I want to do is, is I want to focus on going back into the Old Testament, into specifically Exodus chapter 12, where it talks about this thing called the Passover that the Israelites celebrated um, and, and kind of the significance of that and then as we come into the New Testament, more specifically into our day and age, um, how it how that overlays with Easter and, and what that kind of means, because there's some striking parallels there. And so I thought what might be best to do is for me to just start off and just read, um, you know, Exodus chapter 12, a number of verses, and then maybe we can kind of stop and unpack it a little bit and and kind of see what was happening here. Talk about that. And then and then on the other side of the break, we can jump into um, how it what 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 it meant in the New Testament and what that really means for us today. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse one. That's Exodus chapter 12. If you had a Bible and you want to follow along with us. In verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb... Then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. Uh, you shall make your count uh, 
for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take one of the bloods, or they should take some of the blood and put it on the two-door posts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And I'm dropped down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both male and beast, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. Then I when when I strike the land of Egypt. So, Joe, we've got this. We've got this interesting thing playing out where the children of Israel are in Egypt and they're they're experiencing or Egypt's experiencing these plagues that God is is bringing, you know, onto them to get Pharaoh to ultimately let God's people go. And now we come to this last one. And it's the final plague, and it's a devastating plague. And the plague is essentially that the angel of death is going to move throughout the entire land of Egypt, and he's going to execute judgment on every household. And how he's going to do it is he's going to look for something. He's going to look for blood on their doorposts. If he sees the blood on the doorposts of that home, he will pass over that home. If he doesn't, then everyone in that home will be judged. Now, I, I think first, what, what I find interesting is, you know, he's saying, look, I'm only looking for one thing. I'm looking for the blood that's on the doorposts of the home. Interesting, he doesn't look at who's in the home. He doesn't look at whether the people in the home are worthy of anything. You know, he just says, I'm looking for the blood, right? And so talk about that part. Talk about, you know, how how God executes judgment here and, and how and what that means for us personally. Is this just an Old Testament story? Does it have any significance at all? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm taken to the New Testament, and, um, you know, you mentioned how God's not looking at who's in the house, uh, and more particularly, um, what they've accomplished in that house, how they have done according to maybe uh, what they thought was right, to live uh, awesomely or whatever, um, and to make themselves really acceptable. Um, God's not looking at who's in the house. The, they're covered by this blood, but it takes me to Romans, um, the book of Romans written by Paul, of course, and it says this, and, and in a way it gives you an example um, for the people in the house. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so there's nothing in there in that house that the people could do. The lamb had to do it. All they had to do is put the blood there. Nothing that they could do to make this angel of death pass by. They couldn't fast days before. They couldn't pray days before. They could. They just followed the, the little concept what God had. Bring in a lamb, watch it for four days, and then do accordingly as I've asked. And the same thing for us today, this is an example, of course, of Christ. The same thing for us today is ply the blood to the doorposts of our heart. 
apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our life because it's not he's not looking at you and I and to say hey, have we met his criteria of course we haven't the Bible just said by the deeds of the law nobody could meet it but the blood of Christ the blood of Jesus Christ makes us righteous and whole and justified just as if we never sinned in God's sight Hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I find that I do find that interesting because when he says in verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and no plague will befall you. And, and I like that because as as you had said, you know, you, you, you if you're in the house of 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 this day and what's going on and you walk into a house that has blood you're safe in other words god's only looking at the sign he's looking at the blood and somehow he's he's looking at the blood and he's saying therefore everyone in the house is safe because of the blood so so technically you could be a, an egyptian false worshiper and you just go into the in the house where the blood is and you're like okay you're safe and 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 here's here's why i like that joe is i never thought about that yeah it's like when we come to christ we don't come all put together oh yeah we don't come clean morally we don't come clean theologically i mean we 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 need the blood to be the first thing that god looks at otherwise nobody's gonna stand right Yeah. I, I mean, t- talk about this idea that people have that somehow I got to clean my life up before before God passes over me. And so if I don't believe the right things, I got to get that straight. If I'm not living the right way, I got to get that straight. When when the truth is everyone in the house was safe, right, because of the blood. And, and I think there's a correlation there to say that that that, you know, not everybody is is saved. We know that it's the but the truth is when I came to Jesus, I didn't have all my theology straight. I, I didn't have all my morality straight. I mean, God God just looked at the blood, applied that to me, the grace, and then he started working on me. Talk about the need for people to dump the idea that you got to get everything right. You got to come up, you know, got to come to God clean, all that nonsense. Talk about that. Well, I think um, that goes right to the heart of the matter. And if you come from somewhat, uh, like I did, of a uh, not real devotional, but somewhat of a religious ba- background, believing in God, uh, trying to meet the criteria and the standards, um, you enter into this uh, relationship at times thinking that you have to do a little cleanup or thinking you have to do something. We might call that um, a little bit of repentance, but in reality, being a Christian 47 years, I thought I was so much better than I really was. Mm-hmm. And all I had to do from the very beginning is just say, oh, Lord, just like my buddy told me on a street corner, just ask him to forgive you, invite him into your life, and he'll change your life. And that's true. And it had nothing to do with me cleaning up, had nothing to do with me doing any one thing, but other than going to the one that applies the blood to my heart and changes me. Hmm. You know, I, I, man, I, I think that's amazing. I, I love this idea that, that, you know, God, God just looks at the blood. He looks at the blood first, right? That's the sign. The sign isn't, have I attained? You'd said it perfectly. I think actually the, the, the longer you walk with Jesus, you know, the older you get in the Lord, the more, 
I think you realize what you didn't at the beginning. At the very beginning, you almost think you're all that. Like, look at this, yeah. man. I'm, I got this holiness swag yeah. in me and exactly. I'm just kind of walking. <laughs> and then the longer you live with yeah. you and the more you see what God has to forgive you of or is chosen, I should say, to forgive you of, the more you hang your head about you and raise your eyes to heaven yes. about the grace and mercy and yes. glory of God. So yeah. when you get to the end, which, you know, you're, you're a lot closer to that than I am <laughs> because you're older. <laughs> just 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 kidding <laughs> thank you for that I appreciate but, but that. when you get towards the end joe is it not true that you end up like paul i'm the chiefest yeah. of all sinners yeah. you oh, know oh it's so true i was just thinking this week um i was looking back and i'm like lord you give grace to the humble and when 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 you came to me and i responded or came to you i was so prideful and hot headed and arrogant and you chose me. And I'm like, there's no reason you should chose me. And you know what? That's just how it is. There yeah. is no reason. I didn't see that then. Like you said, oh, I thought I had it together. Now I got a Bible and you know, I'm going to Bible study twice a week. Whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I always, I always think of, you know, you see these dumb evolution posters where you've got this real bent over small thing. And as it goes up, it's th this thing starts to stand up, this ape stands up and it becomes more of this until it ultimately is this man yeah. standing up. For me, I always inverse that. I always look at when I come to Christ, I'm this man standing yeah, yeah, up exactly. tall. And the longer I walk with him, I just become this this yeah. smudge yeah. on the bottom of, yeah. of the ground. I'm just like, oh God, please forgive me, right? It's just so <laughs> it's so just different from what people think. But listen, on the other side of the break, I wanna I wanna talk sp more specifically about about a couple of things in this passage and then jump over into the New Testament. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, and we will be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. I'm in studio today with uh, Pastor Joe Funicello from Redemption Hill Church, and Joe and I were talking about um, Exodus chapter 12 and the Passover. And Joe, um, I, I, I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit because th there's something that I don't I don't think is by accident in Exodus chapter 12 here. It says this month in verse two shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house. And then it goes on to say that each one's lamb shall be without blemish and they shall kill their lamb at twilight. It seems very personal. It seems that it wasn't just a lamb that was corporately taken, it, this was a command that each family was to take their lamb and that personal lamb was supposed to then be killed by those people. And, and I don't think that's by accident because when we go into the New Testament, you know, Joe, talk about this idea that Jesus is a personal lamb in that sense that that he's it's this isn't just a corporate thing this is a personal thing talk about how how that relates to the christian experience being a personal one well i think you know as we were talking before the break and we we were looking at our lives kind of like what the apostle paul said as you go on 
you see, I think more clearly of who you are, maybe in, in the light of holiness and stuff. And in this sense, you know, this becomes very personal because they have to kill the lamb themselves. They Mm. don't take it to a butcher and say, go ahead and do this and we'll come back or well, you know, they're involved in saying, this is the result of what I needed to do to Mm. cover. And so when we come to Christ, we see more clearly over and over and over the result of my sin my personal sin, what I caused, I caused him to go to the cross. You know, he, he, he did it for the whole world. But if it was just me living here, he would have gone for me. And uh, that is a sobering to me because he says no greater love than this. A man laid down his life for me, his friends. And then I think, but then he is the creator. He created us and he's subjecting himself to his own creation to be abused, to be the indignity of it all, the shame of it all. And he puts himself in that place uh, for this great love. And so it becomes very personal. And all of a sudden I see, oh my goodness. Yeah. And in first Corinthians, now I want to jump to the new Testament in first Corinthians five, Verse seven, it says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened for Christ is our Passover lamb and has been sacrificed. So so now the New Testament makes the connection to the Old Testament story and says Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so now the idea, the type here seems to be that in the same way that the blood served as a sign that the angel of death would pass over a house in judgment. Now Christ is our Passover lamb and talk about what it means to have that blood applied to our life and what that means to be spared judgment. Well, you know, when the Bible says that by faith and by faith is I don't have to have a mountain moving faith because I sure didn't when it came to Christ, you know, uh, kind of maybe, Okay, you know, this is what my buddy tells me, you know, and, uh, you know, but you know what? I knew that that, that I hadn't met God's standard in some way, um, and I knew that I needed a relationship and to be forgiven. And uh, so this 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 transpires as I, I, I fall on my knees and, and go to him. You know, there's there's also something else here that I think is worth is worth mentioning. And that is, um, Joe, when in the in the story of the Passover, it says that I mean, this is just amazing to me how this plays out. It says that they were to choose their lamb on the 10th of this of this first month of the year for them, Nisan. And they were to then keep it for four days and then they were to kill it on the 14th. And so there was a four day span between when they chose their lamb and when they killed their lamb on the Passover. And I find that very significant because this last weekend, we just celebrated Palm Sunday, right? And Palm Sunday was the day where really was four days before the Passover. If you look at the Passion Week in the New Testament, you know, it was four days before before. So it would have been the day that they were choosing, every family was choosing their lamb. What's what's significant is this is the first time where you see God actually presenting his lamb. When Jesus allows himself to be called king of the Jews, he comes in on the back of a donkey, he's fulfilling prophecy, and everyone's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. And so Israel is choosing their lamb on the very day that the households are choosing their lamb to keep them and examine them for four days. God's presenting his lamb, right? And then if you lay the story over the top of the New Testament, it's just mind blowing for the next four days. 
the Lamb of God is examined for spot or blemish, right? He comes in the next day and, and uh, on a Monday, and, and, the, and the religious people ask him, by what authority do you have to do this? And he says, well, I'll answer you if you answer me. Was John's baptism from men or was it from God? And they're like, uh, yeah, well, we don't know. He goes, then I ain't going to answer you. You know, and then they ask him another question. Tell us, you know, um, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, show me a coin. And you know the story. They're like, he's like, well, whose inscriptions on it? Caesar's. So then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's to what is God. And so they're trying to trap him as they're, as they're you know, they're trying to trap God as they're, as they're talking to him. And then he finally turns on the last day and he asks them a question. He says, now let me ask you a question. He said, tell me whose son is the Messiah to be? And they said, well, he's supposed to be David's son. Okay, then answer me this. How by the Spirit then does David say, and the Lord said to my Lord, sit at the right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. And he asked this, if the Messiah is David's son, how can he be his Lord? And they were marveled at it. And they were like, uh, and it tells us, and they never asked him another question. So Jesus passes the examination. He passes all their tests only to have him stand in front of Pilate and say, Pilate to say, I find no fault in this guy. Without spot, without blemish, presented four days before the Passover by the Father. And now on the Passover, while every house is killing their lamb, God is allowing his to be killed, laid over the top, real time, as beautiful as it gets. And Joe, when we were talking about in the break, you said they had missed it. They missed it. How do you miss this? How do you miss Christ? How how do people today miss Jesus? Because he seems to be pretty plainly there. Yeah, you know, um, the Bible talks about the God of this age or the God of this world, and that is the enemy. And he blinds people many ways. And sometimes they want to stay in their sin and they are blinded. Other times they choose uh, other things, uh, selfish reasons, a different type of uh, uh, maybe um, a different type of religion other than what the Bible talks about. And they trust in their own works and they are blind that way. Many ways people get blind and um, uh, to who who God is and who he's provided as our salvation. The simplicity of the gospel astounds me as I Mm. get older and for people to miss what God has done. Sometimes our own pride gets in the way, keeps us from going to him and the simplicity of this. He is my righteousness. He is the son of God who died for the sins of the world. I claim that I run to my salvation, the rock that is higher than I, where I can stand and have um, him taking care of me and giving me justification just as if I never sinned. The blindness mm. comes for many reasons. It is the God of the sage that blinds and leads people in paths. Mm. And I think if they are true and honest seeker, God will give them. Amen. I want to close by reading this to you. For I delivered to you um, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he has appeared to Cephas 
then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Uh, Joe, the story doesn't just end with Jesus dying, and that's that's really where our glory, um, where the glory that we give to God is that he overcame death, and he was raised from the dead, and now people can have a new life because of Jesus Christ conquering the greatest enemy. You, you, you'll never conquer your greatest enemy, which is death. Everything ends for you at the grave. All of your notoriety, all your accomplishments, everything you did um, outside of Christ, it's over and it's done. But inside of Christ, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, oh, it carries on into eternity because this God rose himself from the dead. And we hope that you take that this Easter. We're out of time for today. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next time on Shouts of Grace. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you have been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shouts.